Let me just say this before I, I, I get started. Um, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, we have an ice cream party for little kids. Uh, and every adult is welcome as long as you have in tow a child 11 years or younger. You bring such a child, you're welcome to come. Well, it doesn't matter. You bring, you bring them. You bring them, and, and, and yes. You don't have to know the child. Uh, leave that up to you. <laughs> you just bring them. Don't, no, don't kidnap them. <laughs> uh, we want to throw a party for the little kids because uh, I, I look at little kids a little bit different maybe. I, I, I don't mind if little kids have their feet on the pew. I'm not going to tell get your feet off the pew, you know. Um, I don't mind if kids, they run around a little bit. I don't want them to run around so much that they bump their head and bust their head open or whatever. So we try to keep, calm them down a little bit. But, but nevertheless, I, I, I want little children to love coming to church. Yes. And it's a funny thing. You, you see, I always have some candy in my pocket, right? Yes. <laughs> Combine it with ice cream system, and we're good to go. Um, but so I, I, I give the children a, a piece of candy. It's not the best food in the world, but, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't bring vegetables to church, okay? So I give them a piece of candy. So <clears throat> my name is Ken or Kenneth. They call me in my home country, or Kenny. And so the little children, they hear my name, Pastor Kenny, but they call me Pastor Candy. <laughs> and I love it. I absolutely love it. <clears throat> so today, this morning, we're going to talk about something I believe in many ways is difficult to receive. Uh, especially from the point of view in that we uh, become dispensers of it. We are pretty good at receiving it, but we are not that good at giving it. So, uh, the title of the sermon this morning is The Problem of Grace. Well, grace is not a problem. The problem is, as human beings, that's our problem. So, grace for us is a problem, especially when it comes to the dispensing it. God has bestowed grace upon us to fill us with it, not only to be a reservoir of it, which we are, but also to be dispensers of it so that we dispense grace to everyone we come across. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that, um, or a lot. Uh, so this morning, you, you know, we, we've been going into sermonettes, giving a couple of sermons or three sermons, but short and, 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 uh, each time. But this is going to be a sermon all by itself. If it is short, which is possible but not probable, but anyways, <laughs> if, if it's short, that, that's where we stop. Because my deepest desire for this church is to become a church that is filled with grace to overflowing that the people in this church become people, not that you are not already, we're on our way, okay? But that we become people that dispense grace everywhere we go. And my dear brothers and sisters, 
I want to explain to you a little bit what that grace is. Because, you see, sometimes in language, we confuse things a little bit. Or we have different meanings for the same word. Right? Um, So I'm going to explain some of that. Let me give you a quote from a guy named Philip Yancey, who wrote a book, What's So Amazing About Grace? And my dear brothers and sisters, I simply cannot get enough of it. Uh, because it is well written, and I can just open uh, anywhere. He, uh, he's not giving doctrine, or he just tells stories about grace or ungrace. On the one hand, where somebody uh, extended grace, and when somebody did not, and he called that ungrace. And he, I give you a quote of why he wrote this book. And he says this, I wrote this book to make a simple point, the same point a slave trader named John Newman made several centuries ago. Grace is amazing. The most amazing, perplexing, powerful force in the universe, I believe. And the only hope for our twisted, violent planet. If you catch a mere whiff of its scent, it could change your life forever. And I believe that's true. Because it is, it is hard to be a mature grace giver. Right? We grow in that, right? Like we grow in everything else. It's a journey, this Christian walk. Nobody has arrived. So... But it is hard to be at a place where you dispense grace on a regular basis. That on a, on, on a, on a, a mature uh, basis, in a mature way. So, uh, but I believe that if we catch a scent of it, and this is what happened to me probably 12 to 15 years ago. I got a scent of grace. Before that, I was trying to study on grace and learn about grace. It was simply too much for me. I let it alone. And God sort of awoke it back up in me and showed me some things and brought this book in my life, the, the, What's Amazing About Grace, and other things, opened the scriptures up to me so I could understand more readily about grace. It is not easy to understand and certainly not easy to do. Um, and then it became clear to me. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you not only give me an insight in grace, but would you give me also the words to be able to, to some extent, explain it to my brothers and sisters uh, so that they would be uh, in a place where you want them to be, like the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, in our language, we use the word grace in different ways. For example... We're talking about asking grace or saying grace before a meal. Okay, that is grace, but that is not the grace that I'm talking about this morning. Uh, we, we, in Ephesians 4.29, we know that it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is used, good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. In other words, that your mouth becomes a minister of grace. That what comes out of your mouth always ministers grace to the people. It is never to cut them down. I, I, I was telling something. Uh, Gary and I were talking, and, and 
we decided that sarcasm is not a gift of the spirit. Simply isn't. And if you're going to use sarcasm, be very careful. Because the person that you use sarcasm with might not appreciate it. So you have to be just be careful. You just be careful. You know, if you, even sometimes when you feel like the other person can handle it okay, it might not be true. They just act like they're handling it okay. And pushed a little bit further, then they get upset with you. Oh, yeah, I know it because it happened to me. <laughs> a good friend, you know, we felt like we could jive a little bit with each other. And uh, he, well, he was jiving with me, so when I reciprocated, he got upset. I never did it again. He's a friend. And even though sometimes he is now a real special and sweet and delightful friend. But then his friendship was a little bit immature. So, but he was my friend. I told you about friendship, that friendship to me is a covenant relationship. So if I call somebody my friend, he is my friend for life. He cannot be not my friend any longer. No matter what he does. He may not appreciate my friendship, but I'll be his friend regardless. Well, that's just the way it is. That's what I think about friendship. So uh, him being my friend, I was not going to offend him for anything. So no more, no more sarcasm. So I say, be careful. Uh, uh, so we're talking about a graceful tennis player or a graceful dancer. Well, I'm not all that graceful, but the, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to. <laughs> or somebody was graceful with their speech, these type of things. And this is a little quote from Philip Yancey, and then I'm done with Philip Yancey. I, I just give you my, what, what I've come to know from the Lord. We use the word grace often in church, but the meaning of it has been leached, and it is rarely noticed in the church that speaks so often of it. Okay, that's the end of the sermon. I can just go home now. (laughs) It's been leached in the church. We speak so often of it, but it is not often present. So, when I look at you, you, you look like unbelief. My dear brothers and sisters, if you've been long enough in the church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about. And it ought not to be that way. We should be gracious people in every sense of the word, in the broadest meaning of it. So, the grace that I'm talking about, we find in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5, I'm sorry, maybe, what's it, 7, 5, 7, 8, and we can include 9, just to, just to see. even when we were dead in our sins, had quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved. That word grace is the one that I'm talking about this morning. And so I'll explain myself hereafter a little bit. Uh, what is the other verse that we had there? Uh, 7 says that in the ages to come, he, God, might show the exceeding riches of his grace, that's the grace we're talking about, and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Kindness was not just um, that he was nice to us. The kindness here has to do that he went all the way Make, make a, 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 a provision for our salvation. 
which cost him dearly. Okay. For by grace, that's that word again that I'm talking about, are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now remember some of these words, because we're going to come back to them a, a little bit later. For by grace are you saved, that's what we're going to talk about mostly. Through faith, and that not of yourself, but it is the gift of God. I mean, you can't do anything for a gift. You just, somebody just out of the goodness of their heart, they give you a gift. Now, Sister Nana, if I give you a gift, but I expect something in return, it is no longer a gift. It is now a trade. You follow what I'm saying? Okay, a gift is just out of the goodness of my heart, I, I, I give a possession of it to you with no expectation whatsoever. Not even a thank you. Now, a thank you from your perspective is right and correct. But if I expect, if I do it just for a thank you, this is not grace any longer. This is not a gift any longer. This is a trade. I'm expecting something in return. So, uh, a favor in return, that is not a gift. That is a trade. All right? So, we have to be careful in, in our motivations. When we say that something is a gift, then... Let's let it be a gift. All right. And then, uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot work for a gift. That makes it no longer a gift. That makes it, once again, uh, call it payment or whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to call it. Trade, payment, whatever. Uh, so, but grace and payment do not, are not on the same page. They are contradictory. They are not in the same book. They are not in the same chapter. Not in the same whatever. So, that's why I want you to remember those, those words. Oh, you have one. Okay, good. Because I have one. <laughs> so now then. In, in the church language, we have come up with different things to describe grace. Um, maybe I should give you my definition first. I've given you my definition a thousand times. Be ready for another thousand times. <clears throat> uh, because... It is so important, brothers and sisters, that we get it so that we not just talk about it. I told you the joke about the dynamite? Okay. You haven't heard it? You haven't heard it? Okay. I'll tell it, I'll tell it to you again. Um, the reason why I want to tell it to you again because I want to throw a little dynamite in your lap. Um, <laughs> yes. So there's this guy in this village. Whenever he goes fishing, he always catches fish. Even if nobody else catches fish. The warden got a little suspicious. And he says, I'm going to invite myself. So he invited himself and went fishing with this man who always catches fish. The man took him at a remote place of the lake and parked the boat, anchored it down, 
and he lit a little stick of dynamite, and threw it in the water, boom, all kinds of fish came floating on top. And the warden says, are you crazy? You broke every book in the, every rule in the book. And he, he, he lit another piece of dynamite, threw it in the warden's lap, and said, warden, are you going to talk, or are you going to fish? <coughs> so my dear brothers and sisters, I want to light a little piece of dynamite and throw it in your lap so that we do not longer just talk about grace, but that we are dispensers of grace, that we are people of grace, period. That when people talk about you, they only, well, you know when you go into a restaurant? Let's say I go into the restaurant and the ladies, the waitresses and the waiters, they say to one to the other, you, you, you take them, you take them. Why? Well, you, you take them, you take them. When Glenn goes, everybody wants to serve his table because he's so kind and gracious to the, to the waiters and the waitresses. That is the, that is the, the, the reputation as Christians we should have. When you walk into the bank, people are nice to you. In the restaurant, people are nice to you because you have been nice to them. And you have been nice to them when maybe they were not nice to you. Or maybe they made a stupid mistake that cost you, and yet you were kind and nice. That's, brothers and sisters, when it counts. When they're nice to you, anybody can be nice back. That, that is, even he, he, pagans can do that. Uh, uh, ungodly people can do that. But those who claim to be godly, hey, we, we, we need to step it up. So, psh, piece of dynamite, boom, piece of dynamite. So, there's different ways that we express, then we have come up with some expressions about this grace thing. And we have said, like, you know, G-R-A-C-E, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is wonderful, and that is nice, and that is beautiful, and sounds very, very, very nice. But in my mind, what I have come to understand about grace, that doesn't even express half of what grace is, in my mind. And I'll explain. Excuse me. If I am an unbeliever, and I hear such a definition, I am thinking, well, God's riches at Christ's expense. I, I don't want riches. I just, I'm satisfied with what I have a little bit. Who, who wants riches? I don't need riches. So, I don't want people to have that kind of idea about the grace of God. Because the truth of the matter is, they have nothing. They are way in debt. There's nothing that they have. They have such a great debt, they could never pay it on their own. Christ had to do it for them. Okay? Yes. So, I, I, I'm thinking, so, we haven't even gotten to half of it, what grace is. We have just gone, if this is the zero line, we have just gone a little above zero. But we haven't gone below zero. We are below zero without God's grace. Are you understanding me? Okay. Another, what is another? Uh, uh, God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. So, but once again, uh, we, have, we have no favor at all. 
without grace. We are in the hole. So it is not like we have some, but it's not earned, but we, 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 we get it. No, no, no. We are in the hole, and he takes us out of the hole, and poof, shoots us to heaven. So, these, these type of things. So, the grace that we're talking about, that out of uh, Ephesians, the, the, the second chapter, uh, they, they are the grace that we're talking about. So, let me tell you what I've come up with as, with the definition, as a definition over the years. Um, and it took me a little bit to come, with, come up with it, because, yeah, who comes up with it? If we don't have a neat definition in the scriptures on grace. We, you have to dig, you have to dig for it, and, and, then, and then come up with it. The scripture is replete with the idea of grace. Yes, we have seen some of it. Uh, you can pay for it, you can work for it. It's a gift of God, and so on and so forth. So we get some hints here and there of what grace is, but this is what I've come up with. Uh, <clears throat> Taking the initiative of being a blessing or giving a blessing freely and joyfully to someone who deserves the opposite at my expense for the purpose of total exoneration unto victory. So let me explain it. Taking the initiative. We, uh, as Christians, have so the idea of meeting someone halfway. Yeah? Well, I'm willing, if they are willing, I'm willing to meet them halfway. Well, okay, I'll go one-third if they go two-thirds. But that is not grace. Grace is about all the way. And you taking the initiative. You don't have to, but then the grace is lacking, or the grace is not mature type thing. You take the initiative, and each segment that I'm dealing with, then do me this favor and compare it what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, and see if this jives, right? Did God take the initiative? By them all. You were not even born when God took the initiative. 2,000 years ago. He took the initiative on your behalf and made provision that you might be saved through Jesus Christ and sacrificed his son on the cross so that you could sins could be forgiven and you could have salvation. He took the initiative. The second thing is to give a blessing or to be a blessing. Well, that is self-explanatory. Yeah? Is God a blessing to you? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> is the sky blue? It is even more true that, the, that God is a blessing to you than it's true that the sky is blue. We, we just perceive it to be blue. As far as I'm concerned, it might be brown. It's far away. So maybe something changed. Maybe my eyesight is... Or whatever. It is more true that he is a blessing, that he gives blessings, than that the sky is even blue. Now... We're coming to freely. Freely. No strings attached. 
freely. No hooks. Freely. It cost them nothing. In a little while we'll see, it will cost you something. Just tell me where are you stuck? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to give you a phrase by phrase. I'm going to get there. So, um, freely, it costs them nothing. It is 100% free, gratis. Nothing. And joyfully. I want you to remember these things because right now they sound, they sound sort of okay. But when we put the whole thing together, you might kick me out of here. Because grace simply, if somebody is in the flesh, grace simply will go against the grain of the flesh. I know it because, like I tell people, I'm a pastor, so I'm a counselor. And I counsel a lot of folks, sometimes by appointment, sometimes just because we met and they ask some questions. I don't know why they ask me questions. But even as a counselor, when I ask somebody to exercise grace, sometimes I have to be careful with my timing. Because otherwise they might just uh, uh, reach over the, over the desk, pull me in, and punch me out. Pastor, are you crazy that I should be nice to that person that has hurt me so badly? I don't think so. So I'm telling you that I, my timing has to be right. I have to sense and feel that a person is ready to receive this teaching or else they might be upset. Now, sometimes I don't care if they get upset. They need to hear the truth. But there is something to be said for timing, yes? yes. Yeah, okay, thank you. So, uh, freely and joyfully. <laughs> Pastor, come on now. You mean I have to be joyful about it? <laughs> well, I asked you before. I asked you before. Compare it with what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. Was it done joyfully? Read the 12th chapter of Hebrews. It's right there. And that's just one of the places. Okay? Joyfully. Joyfully. He did it all. Not only died a cruel death on the cross... That was, not the, that was not the biggest burden of it all. There have been other people who have been crucified for their faith. Some of them have been burned at the stake. Some of them have been burned at the stake and laughing at the people that were burning them for the joy that they had because they were sacrificed for the sake of their faith. But Jesus bore every sin of every man and woman of all history, individually on his back. Praise the Lord. And he did it joyfully for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. So, where are we? Taking the initiative to be a blessing or to give a blessing 
freely and joyfully. Now we're coming to you, partner, Sister Ruth. To someone who deserves the opposite. So, this is someone that if you were in the flesh, in the flesh, this is what you would say to me. They deserve the opposite. Pastor, blessing? Are you silly? They deserve a punch. They deserve a whipping. They deserve some punishment. Right? If somebody hurts you, you want to be a blessing to them? Not in the flesh. In the spirit. That's why grace is a spiritual power. Contrary to the flesh. They actually deserve the opposite. Now, let's check it out with St. Jesus. Did we deserve the opposite of heaven? We were sinners. We deserved hell. But God in his grace has made a way for us so that we can get heaven. And he paid the price for it. Okay? Now we're getting to this, the, 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 second, the, the, this, the next step. Um, I'll I, I go again to take the initiative uh, to be a blessing or to give a blessing freely and joyfully to someone who deserves the opposite. Okay, now it comes. Don't everybody run out at the same time. At my expense. My brothers and sisters, I cannot get enough of Jesus' teaching. It is so flipped, so topsy-turvy, so 180 degrees with the world. Because you see, when you extend grace to someone, Mark, the, the, the person... The wrong, the person who was wronged, the person who was hurt, the person that was offended, that the person that got the pain. He has no uh, settlement coming from any court in heaven or whatever. He gets to pay so that the wrongdoer can go free. Go figure that one. <laughs> Philip, go figure that one. The person who gets wronged gets to pay so that the wrong go- wrongdoer goes free. Well, let me give you a little... My brothers and sisters... You see what I mean when I say that this is not easy to receive grace, this teaching on grace. That you say, Pastor Kenny, you you mean that my brother has hurt me, insulted me, beleaguered me, belittled me, put me down. Rip me off. And I got to go for his well-being. I have to pay for that. That's grace. 
No, let's check it out again. Did God do that for us in Christ Jesus? Hello? He did. And he paid dearly. You know, Roel, when it considers you and I, if you wronged me, I'm, a, I'm an evildoer as well. I'm a human being. I'm a, I'm a, let me put it this way. I'm a flawed person. So I'm going to do some wrong somehow, right? So, okay, I, I, I extend grace. <laughs> I should extend grace because I'm hoping that next time you extend grace to me. Okay? But when it comes to God, he did nothing wrong. Absolutely nothing wrong. And paid for us. Hallelujah. That's what I'm saying. Do you have an idea I get excited about this? Thank you. I am excited about it because this is what God did for me in Christ Jesus. I'm excited about it. And you know what? I want to reflect my Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. I want to reflect Him in my life. And my dear brothers and sisters, uh, there, uh, apparently some bunch of years ago, there was a meeting in Britain about some Christian leaders and scholars and theologians that were wondering uh, of the different religions and blah, 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 blah. What made Christianity so different? Not only so different that for the sake of difference, but also for the sake of what people could observe to see that it was different. I follow what I'm saying? Are you with me? Because we talked about the resurrection. The resurrection is one of the things that makes Christianity completely different than any other religion. The resurrection. Nobody ever claims that they were raised from the dead, except Jesus. And of course, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus was the first one that was going to be raised and stay alive. Lazarus was raised from the dead, then he died before he went on to heaven. Okay? So, he's the only one that was raised. So, but when you're talking about the resurrection to people, they, they don't see much difference just because you talk about the res- resurrection. But if they know anything about your life that you have been taken advantage of, plundered, belittled, beleaguered, beleaguered uh, 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 been treated unkindly, somebody ripped you off, on and on and on and on. And then you are being kind to that person that ripped you off. When somebody finds out, it blows their mind. Hey, somebody help me. He's either a wiki or he's, I need to sign him up, admit him to someplace or, or, or whatever. But it's the power of God in this person's life. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, People that know of your situation, they will be nothing gets their attention like that. Now, Ruth, you have a story. Can I tell a little bit about it? So I'm not going to give all the details, but I just tell tell in general. Ruth has a fa- had, a, had a father who's passed away now who molested her as a little girl. 
and then some, and then some, and then some. She wanted to kill him, as you can imagine. But God saved her life and get something in her heart that in his last days, she joyfully, gladly took care of him when he couldn't take care of himself. That is grace, my dear brothers and sisters. That is grace. That is grace. That's what I'm talking about. So when people find that out, they would say, how could you do such a thing, Ruth? I, would have th- I, I think I might have had a pillow uh, at the wrong place. I was leaning. Oh, I'm sorry, I was leaning. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, that is grace. Other people think otherwise. People in the flesh, they, they can't conceive of this. But this is grace. This is the power of God at work. This is the power of God at work. So, let me see where I am. Maybe I should just stop right over here. Um, so, the question, the question becomes, so often in my mind, one of our mandates as Christians is that we should expand the kingdom of God. Is that a fair way? It is all over the New Testament. We should be witnesses, go into all the world and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and, uh, and, and uh, make disciples and so on and so forth. It's, it's, it's everywhere that not only should we reach unbelievers, but also believers and expand the kingdom of God in them, right? The kingdom of God being the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, right? Somebody who has Jesus Christ in them is not necessarily at the place where Jesus is ruling all their lives. Most of the time, this is not true. Because if Jesus was ruling all I didn't have to teach about grace. So, um, but what is happening is, we talk a good game. But the people don't see it. Where is my piece of dynamite? Let's stop talking, folks. Let's show what we're talking about. It is like a husband preaching to his wife. She gets so sick and tired of his preaching. I don't want to hear you preaching. And I say to him when he comes for counseling, I say, hey, you're preaching? Why don't you show her that preaching that you do with your mouth? Show it with your life. She'll believe it much, much, much more readily than when you're just talking about it. I, I don't mean, I mean, you, you're just a wonderful <laughs> husband, my brother. You know, I, hey, I'm checking every once in a while. You know, I married you guys, so, you know, and now that, is she taking care of you? Yeah, oh, he's wonderful, he's wonderful. Yes. Uh, so, you have your testimony. But a lot of people can't see what is going on in our lives in the way of grace. They just see how we... Belly ache, how we complain, how we judge, how we this, that, and the other. Where is the grace that will actually capture their attention? And I'm not asking you to play a game. I'm not asking you to fake. I'm asking you, let God so work in you that we might become gracious people. More so than you have ever been before. So let me look at my notes. I'm, I'm sort of winding down a little bit, you know. But uh, 
I have to be careful not to keep it too long because I... Um... So do I have a message? Does my life have a message? Or is it just my mouth that has a message? That, that, that's, a, that's a good question to ask. Oh, wait a second. I was not done with my... With my uh, 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 let me finish my, my definition over here real quick. So we said, at my expense, for the purpose of total exoneration... Remember? Remember the definition? For the purpose, so in other words, when I extend grace to someone else, it's not so they feel worse, so they are more ashamed. Sometimes we are kind to somebody, so they feel more ashamed for having hurt us. This is not grace. Grace is for total exoneration. You are, you are treating them in such a way the last thing on your mind is that they should be ashamed or that should, they should feel guilty or fearful or any of those type of things. The thing is, you want to exonerate them from any of that uh, uh, so that they don't have to be ashamed any longer. Now, did God do that for us in Christ Jesus? Absolutely. That we shouldn't have to be ashamed any longer. That we're not guilty any longer. He took the guilt on him. And then what is the last one? Uh, exoneration unto, unto victory. So not only have you taken the initiative, being a blessing, giving a blessing, freely and joyfully to the person who doesn't deserve it, they actually deserve the opposite, at my expenses, cost me something, and I don't even want them to feel ashamed about it any longer. I want to set them totally free of that. But what I have in mind for them is, as they're walking off out of the office or as they're walking off of the field or they're out of the house or whatever. All I have in mind for them is that they might have victory from now on. Victory from now on. I'm looking at my notes. I, 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 I don't want to keep it much longer, but let me just look real quick. Uh, and say this. Somebody says, but why do I have to pay for it? I didn't do anything wrong. Have they understood grace? (laughs) Why do I have to pay for it? I didn't do anything wrong. It's because that is grace. If you cannot come to that place, you are lacking in your spiritual maturity. Now, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying this. Maybe that's where you are, and you can't help it. But I want you not to stay there. I want you to come here. I come here. 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 That's where I want us to go. I don't want us to be... You can be pleased... But you cannot be satisfied with your spiritual maturity. We have to keep on growing, my dear brothers and sisters. What a difference it will make not only in your life, but in the life of everybody that you deal with on any kind of basis, at any kind of time. Um, So, let's see here. I'm just trying to sort out what else I'm going to share with you and without keeping you too long. Um, 
Somebody's saying, well, but if I'm gracious, they'll just take advantage of me. My brothers and sisters. (laughs) If that's how you feel, if that's how you think, your grace needs to be elevated. Because by definition, my dear brothers and sisters, grace means being taken advantage of. Now, let's check. Did God do that for us in Christ Jesus? My dear brothers and sisters, if you don't take advantage of God's grace in Christ Jesus, you can't even get saved. Don't take advantage of it. And I'm talking to believers, so that is to say that when you're a believer, you have taken God up on his grace that is offered on the cross. But you need to take him up on the grace that he offers on a daily basis to you as well. Because if you don't take advantage of it, you will be in defeat. Because we flawed people, so we do wrong things. Yes? Is that a fair statement? So we do wrong things. So then, if we do wrong and we don't take advantage of Jesus' grace on a daily basis, then we go through life like this. I did wrong. No! You know, do double wrong. One, the wrong that you did, and two, that you don't take advantage of Jesus' grace. Now you're walking in defeat, and in shame, and in guilt. Well, you are not a factor for the kingdom of God that way, my brothers and sisters. Walking. What? What do I always say? How are you doing, Kenny? I'm okay. Come join my church. In this church, we're okay people. That's what I'm saying. So, let me, let me just clarify or classify that just a little bit. Sometimes, there's a, there's a book out that, got, that goes like this. When helping hurts. Okay? When you perceive that you are gracious, but you're not, not really being gracious, you just are gracious according to your perception. But if you would have prayed, then my God had, might, might have given you different directions. Yes? Okay? So, somebody comes... And, and let us say, okay, they want money. Let us say, right? Oh, I graciously give some money. Hey, fine. And then a week later they come, they want more money. Okay, fine. Now, when this happens on a regular basis, then I need to f- discern, hey, am I helping this person by giving them money or am I hurting them? Am I enabling them so they're not looking for a job? Hey, you know what? I go see Pastor Kerry and I'm good to go. That is not being gracious. You're not even helping the guy. So you use, you do, you use discernment. Use discernment. So in that sense then, you are being gracious. You're not ripping, ripping him. You're not calling him names. You, you, you are kind and gracious to this person. And say, hey, listen. Apparently, I haven't helped you. Maybe I'm hurting you. If I would have helped you, after the third time, you might not have come back. You might have had a job by then. 
Maybe, maybe not. But I have to discern, am I helping this person? In other words, am I gracious to this person? Or am I hurting this person? Oh, Lord. Let me just see here. But they don't deserve it. (laughs) That's another good one. The word deserve, when it comes to grace, the word deserve is vanished. It's out of your vocabulary. Did I say right? Vocabulary. It doesn't exist any longer when it comes to grace. They don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. (laughs) That's why you give it to them. And that's why it's grace. See, I'm looking across the building over here, and I see a lot of question marks on your faces. Thinking, Pastor, I think this one you got wrong. Okay, I. Uh, so this is this is this is what what I'm finishing with. I would love for you to ponder this message, to think about it, to talk about it, to discuss it, if you will. To disagree with me. If you want. If you disagree with me, that is great because that just proves how well I explain grace. Because if I explain grace well, it will go against your grain, as the fleshly part of your grain. No, I don't agree with that. Okay, no problem. But then would you ask the Holy Spirit? To show you if this is true or not. Check with him. And if you have any questions, come talk with me. No problem. No problemo. Uh, But grace. It is my deepest desire. That the Christian folks that I know. And the ones that God has given me oversight over. That they become Gracious people. People that dispense grace wherever they go, whenever they go. Because if you get a whiff of its scent, it might change your life forever. Let us stand.